0: Welcome back to Global Nomad Hacks. My name is Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta, and today I'm very excited to introduce you to a dear friend of mine, Simone Janssen. She is a German-born, naturalized American, married to an American from Hawaii, and they have been working as digital nomads for the last two years. She's been able to really survive and thrive as an executive coach, so I'm sure we have all kinds of tips that we can learn from Simone. Welcome! Thank
1: you. Well, first one to, you know, how do you get married as a German to to Hawaiian? That's like the first (laughs) cultural clash of all times. But we've made it work.
0: (laughs) Well, you sure have. I mean, you guys are an awesome couple. So I'm sure we can get into that a little bit. And I guess sort of where do we start? Can you tell us a little bit about your journey and decision to be a digital nomad, particularly for the last two years?
1: You know, I'm gypsy by DNA. And it's... I think it really has always come out in the way that I like to live because I don't really like to be in any place for too long. So I've always had two residences or I've always been back and forth between places. And that's, and I've always traveled on top of that. So that's always been my preferred way of being. And for the longest time, well, this was, you know, a cultural thing as in we've grown as a world in a very digital way. For the longest time, it was difficult to do because it meant every time. I moved or I changed locations, I'd have to connect with a different clientele or or different audience. And it took me a good 10 years to really wrap my head around how I can do my work and be who I am and not have that conflict with each other. So certainly, the, you know, the good old interwebs have really helped. And then creating a marketing system around my product, around my company that's helped me keep my pipeline full and that's kept the money flowing and the clients flowing. That was definitely my biggest challenge
0: as a digital nomad. I would imagine that a bandwidth has a lot to do with that. We talked a little bit about that in the green room. But in this last two years, you've explored a lot of the U.S., a lot more than a lot of Americans have, for that matter, in terms of living in different places for two months at a time. Are there particular places where you found that bandwidth was a challenge, or were there other things in terms of connection that might have really hindered or supported your ability to do your work?
1: Well, it's kind of funny when you ask that question, because bandwidth and connection, my brain immediately goes into, well, there's that technical aspect, and then there's the human aspect, right? Because, yeah, definitely. I mean, as we're talking, I'm sitting in a beautiful house on the beach in Folly Beach, South Carolina. And, um, you know, it's set up for most of these places that we stay at are set up for vacationers. They're Airbnbs. So they're not necessarily outfitted with the best (laughs) Internet and the best ways to work. So it's always kind of funny. Like, you know, yeah, does it look kind of funny that there's windows inside our inside walls? Maybe (laughs) somebody told told me it's actually a great background. So it's it's both where, yeah, you, you always have to kind of figure out is this going to work because we've definitely been in locations where the internet was so slow i do a ton of my work even before everything has happened over zoom and then you have to be able to upload the calls and make sure that you know i do a lot of content work that the trainings can be uploaded and all this stuff and we've definitely been in locations where i've been like okay i'm (laughs) gonna click upload and i hope it's done in the morning
0: it's so true. I mean, it's really tricky. And in particular, if you're dealing with people across different time zones, you need to make sure that it's ready for them when, you know, when they're going to be logging on. I think another point to, you know, you have this great background. Unfortunately, this is an audio or podcast, so I'll describe it to you listeners. That she's got these, it basically looks like you're sitting out on a porch, but you've got these beautiful windows from this old house behind you. And it it is a great backdrop. Is that something that you think about from the connection and from the creating spaces that work well for work? Is that something that you think about when you're choosing spaces? And is it also something I know that you and Sarah have, you also own some properties that you make available on Airbnb as well. Is that something that you've looked at in terms of design and requirements for the spaces that you either hire out or that you book?
1: No, and that answer is probably going to disappoint you because not at all. I mean, we basically choose our places that we're going to go to buy. Well, obviously, what is interesting to us, we have two great things. Are they going to be able to find a place to run (laughs) where they can be just off leash and have a great time? And we are both off the mind that will fit work in with our lifestyle. And that's actually worked remarkably well. And I think part of that is who I am and who I choose as clients. Because my clients all know what my lifestyle's like, and they think it's cool. They always want to know, "Hey, where are you right now? You have a big different backdrop <laughs> you know, and sometimes I mean there's definitely been locations where my first concern when we get somewhere is like where is a good place to do a zoom call, where I don't look weirdly lit, where I can pick up the signal it's not gonna drop, and where I don't have suddenly two great danes barking or you know, somebody walking across the room. (laughs) So this is all definitely part of the first day setup, like how to figure this out. And I've also just really realized that it's something to be flexible with and to have some fun with and not to take it too seriously. In the beginning, I was very stressed by this, like, oh my God, the call dropped or the internet froze, or, you know, I look like hell in in this setting. But what I've just found is having some fun with it and just going, well, you know, beach is beautiful, but the internet is slow. That's just kind of something that works. And actually, one of my coaches a long time ago, she had this type of lifestyle. where She lived in Mexico
0: for half a year. Our work has become much more integrated into our homes and to our lives in general. And it's sort of being a lifestyle entrepreneur is really you know, something that many people would need to learn about how that works. And I think that you've done a beautiful job with really walking that talk. And I think because of that, your clients really respected and appreciate it. So I've met some of the people that you've worked with. And clearly, there's a just a mutual respect for what you're able to accomplish from a distance. And but also, you know, you're very hands on with some of your strategic work. And it's really, it's impressive. You're doing an amazing job. So kudos well, to you. you.
1: I think part of what that is is I've been unwilling to accept it otherwise. You know, this, this is it's an interesting phenomenon to observe. I mean, we're in year 3 of this and I can't tell you how many people have said to me, "Oh my god, that's so cool. I wish I could do that too." And my answer generally is, "You can." For most people they actually could. I mean, if you work in a brick and mortar store, that's a little bit more tricky. You could have an online version, but there's pretty much most people could come up with some something like this. And why don't they? It's I don't actually think being a nomad, most people are not cut out to be that. There's a lot of uncertainty involved. Like right now, we're in the middle of this crisis. We're going, okay, we're here till the end of May. What happens if we can't find a place to rent when we move out of here? So there's there's a lot of challenges that involve a lot of uncertainty. And as entrepreneurs, we're cut out to tolerate more uncertainty than most. And I think that kind of has to come with this lifestyle is being willing and actually not not just being willing to tolerate it, but actually being excited by the challenge. And that's really the point I'm trying to make.
0: Yeah, one of the things that I always credit to you that I, I love the expression that you taught me of high value actions, and that You know, a lot of people ask me about how to manage their digital lifestyle and have digital well-being, particularly in the times that we're in right now. And I often come back to saying, you've got to focus on your high value actions. And then, because if you don't have any kind of structure in your work and your home life, then it can all just gets melded together and nothing gets done right. It's kind of like learning a different language, you know, when you're, if you're trying to to blend the two together, you never really speak either one of them well. And so you really need to find that separation there, where things, you know, you've got a competency in both, but you focus on what's really important with either one. It's your concept. So I would love for if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about sort of what your whole, you know, premise around high value actions is, and how you integrate that both into your work and your teaching, but also how you use that as a method for learning how to thrive in your remote lifestyle?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no problem might be a little bit of a long winded answer. Because what I've found with that is, like, first of all, you have to really understand, like, what do you want your lifestyle to look like? Because the first year we were doing this, we were actually moving every month. And when you're in a different location every month, that means, you know, when you're working full time, you only really have 2 days every week to explore where you are. So we're like, oh, you actually don't see much of a place in like basically 8 days. So, and both of us at that time were were, were used to working probably like from, you know, 11 10, 11-hour 11 days and working 6 days a week and just that was kind of our go-to state of being and it wasn't super fun and we felt like we were really leaving a lot behind. So we had to kind of come to terms with, look, we've chosen this lifestyle. (laughs) We have to do a lot of arranging and preparing to get here. So now we want to actually take advantage of it. How much time do we want to spend actually being here versus just working just like we could if we were in our house, you know, in Oakland or Nashville or wherever. So it had to come with this decision of, okay, so we're actually going to cut off work at seven or eight at the latest. And we're not going to work weekends at all. And sometimes we're going to take an extra day. It was the whole, like, make a decision around the lifestyle. And I think high-value high actions go with that. Because when you're trying to pack what used to be, historically, was like, okay, 70-hour weeks. And now suddenly that needs to get compressed into a normal, you know, 40-hour week or less. You're going to have to get really, really focused. So it's partly focused and partly prioritization. So it's, it's really looking at, okay being really good at planning and knowing my outcomes and being very committed to this is the outcome. This is what I need to do to get there. And these are the actions I need to take. And so having a process around that you really relate to every day and we don't spend, I, I basically spend no time on social media, which is hilarious because my entire business is driven by social media, but I don't really waste time on it because that's not <laughs> a high value action for me or just just, everything that I do has to relate directly back to my goals directly back to my outcomes. So if I don't go through that every day, and if I can't reflect at the end of the day and go, and this is really part of it is like having the intention session and the planning session in the morning, then frequently realigning with myself around that throughout the day and then reflecting at night and going, all right, so how well did I do sticking to my structure? It's kind of amazing. I really think that most people could cut down probably by like 30% in terms of the time they spent working with the same outcomes.
0: And what are the, some of the tools that you use to hold yourself accountable? You were saying you sort of check in, you know, both in the morning, in the middle of the day, at the end of the day. Is that more just sort of a mental check in? Or do you use any tools, even if it's just pen to paper, of like, this is what I'm going to do today, or this is my outcome this week?
1: Well, a super simple structure to use would be, I mean, I always know what my one, two, three quarterly goals are. And that spells out, you know, what am I going to, if I reverse engineer it, what do I need to get done this month? And then I can chunk it up and go, okay, so this is what I need to get done this week. So I do kind of my weekly planning session on a Monday morning and go, okay, so this, these are my prime focus points for this week. And then I do, big brainstorming session where I really write everything down that I think I have to get done that week. And then I related directly back to my goals, like, which of these things actually relate directly back to my goals, and I circle those. And whatever is not circled, goes to the bottom of that list. That might be doing laundry. (laughs) Oh, fun. (laughs) Kind of have to do that every once in a while, though. Yeah, right, right, right. Well, you know, That's what partners are for now. But (laughs) this is kind of in terms of if I have to be really focused, I have to be in that type of structure where I really make sure that all my actions are related to my outcomes. And that once I have what I need to get done in a day, then it's really looking at, okay, so here's the hours I have. Here's the appointments I already have set in stone, so I can't really do anything with that. How do I arrange it around that and have really focused work sessions?
0: That's awesome. And I think one of the things that I, I love about the way that you guys move is that because of those great Danes, you get out every single day and you have to. I mean, mm-hmm. I have a small dog and so she, you know, I, I could take her for a hike or she's perfectly happy to just have me open the door and have her go outside and do her thing and come back. She's definitely benefiting the most from the quarantine because she loves all the snuggles on the couch oh and she's no, like, I'm great. just
1: happy to be here. Pearl would be the one eating the couch if she didn't <laughs> ever run. So yeah, we definitely do that every day.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's really healthy. And I think it's a really wise approach. I want to switch gears a little bit and go back to the whole cultural piece. Because obviously, growing up in Germany, and then coming over to the US, you have a really interesting story. And I think it would be really fun to if you don't mind sharing a little bit of that and sort of your journey to where you are now. Which part of the story? (laughs) Beginning, middle, end. No, I sort of, you All know, right. what kinds of things have sort of led you to the choices that you make now? I mean, obviously, at our second half of our amazing lives, where we both are now, you know, there's, we've done a lot of things and been to a lot of different places, but certainly there's some sort of pivot points that have been experiences both culturally and just developmentally and, you know, that have transformed our path and i'm curious about which points in your path felt the most pivotal and were they related to cultural change or were they related to experiences
1: well a lot of that might be related to my marriage you know like i said i i mean being german we used to travel all the time so travel's always been important to me and being in different cultures and immersing in the cultural experience has always been something that i've loved to do so As a couple, we've always traveled a lot. And uh, we actually, for the first 10 years of our relationships, lived in different places. So I lived in Tahoe, Sarah lived in Oakland. So we did a lot of driving. And at some point down the road, we're like, okay, that's not paying two California mortgages. It's kind of expensive. And also it's a little bit hard on the, not so much on the relationship, but we thought we'd try something different. So I tried to live in the city and I hated it. So six months into it, I was like, you know what? you don't want to move into the mountains. I don't want to move into the city. So how about we just try to find some different places that could be cool? So that's what we tried for the first year. We tried to find a place to live where we both want to live. And at the end of it, we're like, uh, why do we have to stop? This is actually really fun. We just want to keep going. So, and I think that's just always, we've both had such a high value on travel and new experiences. And I have found that Especially, you know, you're referring to our better half of life. But a lot of people get really stuck in their habits and in their mindsets, and that precludes them from growth. And I've found by being forced to dealing with new situations that are often far from perfect, because you never quite know what you're going to find, it's really helped me to have a much more joyful experience all the way across the board. And you know what? I don't sweat the small stuff as much as I used to. I do get to focus, I mean, even in this crazy, I mean, we have definitely won the quarantine lottery here, but even in this crazy situation, I mean, there's two of us in a house, which is what a lot of people are experiencing. And do we want to start being annoyed with the situation or do we want to look at, oh my God, what an incredible opportunity we have right now. And I think that's just been something that, you know, it's interesting Dealing with clients all across the globe, everybody's in different time zones and everybody has different priorities and everybody has different expectations. But in the end, what counts is like, what's the outcome we want from each other? Mm -hmm. So as long as we can agree on that, and as long as we can hold the same core value around our interaction, it's a good interaction.
0: Nice. Nice. And you touched a little earlier on the difference between the German culture that you grew up with and Sarah's Hawaiian culture. Can you talk a little bit more about that and sort of how that has maybe enhanced your relationship, but also the challenges it sometimes might bring?
1: Yeah, those are fun. As you might tell, structure is kind of a thing that, I mean, I'm actually a pretty unstructured person when I'm not having to be structured, but it's something that You know, I work with startups and CEOs and I teach them how to have structures in their organizations because a lot of times when they come to me, it's all just like willy-nilly. Oh, we're going to have so much fun together, but nothing gets done right and on time and it's a big mess. So that's the structure piece. I'm very good at figuring out structures, but I don't necessarily have to live them myself. And that's where Sarah comes in and she is actually very good at implementing things, but I'm generally the person who comes up with structure. Well, We're both good at it, but she's definitely much more laid back about it than I am, which added a lot of stress to my life and learning how to be less structured or less attached to the structures was really helpful for me. So it's like, it's great to have them and then you can also let them go.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's building that awareness around it and it's sort of like, do I really need this? Maybe I don't.
1: Yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, this is like structure sets you free is one of the most Like to an entrepreneur, this is like a nightmare. Like, I don't want a structure. (laughs) I mean, that's why I became an entrepreneur. But that's also why this delivery rule that was due on Monday is still here on Thursday. And, you know, nobody's happy. Yeah. So it is a little bit of like, what is the structure that sets you free? And where do you set a plan and hold the intention of it, the outcome of it in mind? But then you go with the flow. Yeah. Yeah that's my favorite part when I can get there, when I'm like, I know what the intention is, I know what my outcomes are. And then I can make kind of big picture decisions around, okay, where do I need to come back to structure? And where can I just free free flow?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm curious about one thing, which I, I think we've had funny conversations about this in the past, but you know, having spent time living in different countries, and then you're, you come back to or come to a place where you are where you can't necessarily get some of the products and services that you love and that you're addicted to, like your gummy bears that I always bring back to you from Germany. (laughs) What are some of the tips and tricks that you have for fellow travelers on sort of making sure that you're getting the things that feed your soul that are whether they're products or services? I mean, right now, of course, everybody's trying to find their favorite goods and services and they, you know, they may just be sold out, and you're trying to get them online. But what are some of the tips and tricks that you have to make sure that you're getting the things that make well, you feel at home, no matter where you are?
1: Definitely finding the German gummy bears on Amazon. That was like a, a day that I was very, very happy. <laughs> it hasn't happened, you know, it didn't happen that long ago. So it is those funny things where it's like, okay, see, these are the must things to have, and they're not many, but and, you know, I can't think of that many like is it chocolate gummy bears it's certain things that are like okay if i can just get these once in a while and my mom sends them to me that's great but overall i think what actually made me happier is just knowing the elements of what the things make me happy around and then finding them in the new environment because especially if you were in different countries it's like uh you know, this is not going to work out so well. So know what you like about this coffee or this chocolate or these coming bears, and then just find what's available and have some fun with it. Yeah. I think that that's the biggest part is just the adventure of it. Yeah, Because I mean, any type of digital nomad, we wouldn't be here if adventure wasn't like a huge focus.
0: Yeah. The other question that I always love to ask people who have moved away from their native country and maybe not have gone back, or maybe they are they are in the current process of repatriation. But when you go back to Germany, what are some of the things that stand out for you that you appreciate more, or that maybe are challenges for you with a more global perspective?
1: Well, that's an interesting question. Because at this point, I've lived in the US longer than I ever lived in Germany. So it is kind of a funny thing. So many of the things that I like, quote unquote, ran away from, which is the German structure and somewhat small-mindedness in cases, and you know, a lot of paperwork around anything and a very exact sort of everything. I have really come to appreciate a lot of that because things actually work. That's kind of awesome. And at the same time, also the knowledge or the the understanding that a lot of times when you meet people, especially from different cultures, you have an expectation of how they ought to act or execute. And you can't, or I can't really make any judgments around what that is until I get to know the person, because I could get very irritated with the way that they are acting or executing, because I don't understand why they're doing it, what they're come from is. But once I understand that I can make much better decisions how I actually interact with them. And that a lot of times it solves that problem. But yeah, I mean, I when I go back to Germany, I love how, in general, people are incredibly nice. People are super friendly, which is not what I used to think about Germans, but they actually are. They're very welcoming and nice and just uh, curious, interested. And at the same time, a lot of times, you know, coming from the U.S. and being so familiar now with the U.S. structures, I find that especially... I don't know if it's around being an entrepreneur or working in a corporate world or whatever, but a lot of what's lost in the U.S. is the human connection. And I think going back to Europe, I mean, I don't actually spend that much time in Germany. When I go back to Europe, I go to Italy or Spain or France or whatever, and I meet my relatives there, and we have a bit of a vacation together. But whenever I go back to Europe, I'm reminded of how much more important relationships are there. And I think that's something in the U.S. that is getting currently a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) But I I really think that that's my favorite part of having that European heritage is like the emphasis on family, the emphasis on friendship, the emphasis. I mean, I have lifelong friends.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: It doesn't matter how we are all very, very different people at this point, but we still appreciate who we are.
0: Yeah. and, And I think that is, it's also, it rings true for anyone that you know from your youth, your childhood, your you know, your family and friends that you've known that you just have that history together. So but I agree, it's something that I love and, and appreciate about the European side of my family and and my extended network of friends from living and working over there. It's a very different approach to connection. But I also find that you get that a lot with expats who live here. So that's kind true. of nice, too. True.
1: And that's how we all know each other, right?
0: Yeah. I it's mean, true. I was just
1: cracking up because I saw this Facebook meme about, you know, the Americans worry about toilet paper. The French are totally sold out of wine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, the French have bidets. They don't need toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> true enough. But, you know, there's there's the
1: various countries that are making their jokes about Americans and their toilet paper. And instead, they should be
0: buying tacos and tequila. <laughs> Well, that's for sure. I think we all need to go down to Mexico and get some barrels. Anyway, Simone, it's been such a joy having you on and to reconnect with you. And um, I want to make sure that if folks are interested in learning more about your work, they can find what you're doing. Can you tell them a little bit about where to find you and uh, what kind of work you do? Sure. So I work with
1: entrepreneurs, startup leaders, business owners, and I help them scale their company. So a lot of times, a lot of it is about making teams work and making sure that leaders actually know how to communicate with their teams, so that they get really good team performance, and also really about how to scale themselves as leaders. So I've been on both ends of the stick. I know what it's like to help the entrepreneur or the the CEO get the results that they can't Get And I also know what it's like to be on a team and have a CEO who has no idea how to communicate what their expectations and outcomes are that they're looking for. So, you know, I've been doing this for 15 years and I've worked with uh, over 100 leaders at this point. And very close to my heart, I really believe that it would hugely affect global happiness scale if we could (laughs) work out both ends of that spectrum. I have a wonderful training that's brand new that people can check out if they're interested in it bulletproofstartups.com lets you go into that training. That's a good place to check it out or what you can find me on LinkedIn.
0: Awesome. And those links will be in the show notes. So if a uh, few folks are interested in finding Simone, you can go there and uh, click through and, and check her out and hear more about her story and see how she might be able to help you. This has been such a, a treat to have you back on and say hi to Sarah and the, the Dogans for me. And uh, Ooh, look forward to for having me. Yeah, such a pleasure. And thank you, Global Nomads, for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review and share it with your friends. We're a new show and we need to spread the word and spread the love. Until next time, bye bye for now.